Hello there, animal lovers. Welcome to Animal Facts Podcast with Jayla and Nicole. We just want to remind everyone that we are not professionals. Just animal enthusiasts. We love learning about them, talking about them, and discovering new ones. And all the crazy things that they do. There are so many animals out there, and they are all so different. If we are misinformed, please, please, please email us at animalfactspodcast at gmail.com so we can correct ourselves. Some of the things we say may also just be our opinions. So just a reminder, we are enthusiasts, not professionals. You didn't clap, did you? I didn't. No. Okay, ready? (laughs) Three, two, Two. one. (laughs) What is happening? (laughs) Are we lagged again? I don't think so. Raise your hand. Okay. All right, okay. ready? Are we going like three, two, one clap, or like how how many seconds are we waiting after the one? Let's do three, two, one clap. Okay, ready? It's like rock paper scissors. <laughs> three, two, one. I think that was in time. I mean, ultimately, as long as we line up those things together, it should work, right? Yeah. See? There's a dog. Let's do it one more time. You count down. Okay. Three, two, one, clap. Good enough. <laughs> okay, cool. Good enough. Oh, man. Okay. Welcome. Welcome to Jayla and Nicole's Animal Podcast. <laughs> this is the first episode, and it's going to be really clunky. <laughs> we're a little awkward and nervous. But we're super excited to be here. We are. It's, we're... <laughs> we just love talking about animals, and so we figured, you know what, why not share our love with everyone? Yeah, we're also having some technical if- issues. <laughs> Since we obviously are not in the same space. (laughs) Thanks, COVID. Um, Eventually we'll record in the same space. Yes, and Uh, it'll be a lot less awkward. (laughs) Yes. Oh, man. Good times. Okay. (laughs) To just jump on in, I suppose, I'm Nicole. (laughs) And And I'm uh, Jayla. (laughs) Um, a little bit about us. We're going to share every week a different question about ourselves, I guess. Um, and Jayla picked the question this week. What's the question, Jayla? If you could have any animal as a pet, not well, con- not considering that it could or could not eat you, so obviously <laughs> your pet wouldn't be eating you. What pet? What animal would you have? <laughs> what animal would you choose? feel like we should start over. <laughs> I'm so sorry. If we could own any animal as a pet and it wouldn't kill us and we don't have to worry about that, yes. what would we own? <laughs> I don't know why that was so hard for me to say. <laughs> because we're awkward humans. <laughs> we're suddenly oh. under this new pressure of being recorded. Seriously. <laughs> Congratulations, you're human. Oh, um, thank you. 
I would... <laughs> I don't know. I always wanted a pet cow. <laughs> but if I didn't ever have to worry about an animal killing me, I would probably want, like, a kangaroo. Because then it can't scratch me to death or stop my heart by kicking me. <laughs> yes, that's true. It wouldn't, like, kickbox you into the next world. <laughs> yes. It would just hopefully snuggle me. Or maybe a bear. Nice. I feel like cuddling up to a big bear would be cool. Mm, nice and cozy and warm. Yeah. <laughs> that would be comfy. And what about you, Jayla? <laughs> Probably, I'm deathly af- afraid of, like, sea creatures, as Nicole knows. But <laughs> yes. I'd probably honestly have a pet, like, octopus or shark. Interesting. Because I, I think it would be really, really cool. weird and interesting. Right? But it would have to live in an aquarium, and you're afraid of aquariums. I know. <laughs> what? For those of you who don't know, Jayla is, like, her irrational fear is aquariums, and then it has extended into just, in general, fish and yes, aquatic life. that's true. So I find that intriguing that she would want an octopus. Octopuses? Octopusi? Octopuses? Octopuses? We're going to have to find out. We will. And this Octopi. is a podcast where Octopi. we answer those kinds of questions. Um, That's true. The, we will. I feel like that would be really cool. They're really smart. Mm-hmm. It'd be really squishy to snuggle with. Not very fuzzy. And a shark yeah. would be cool to ride, maybe. <laughs> I don't know what type of shark. Let me you just You get a basking shark because they're giant. I could. And gentle. Which we will also talk about basking sharks one day. Yes. We have a very long list to go through. And it just keeps growing. It does. (laughs) Faster than we can obviously record these podcasts. (laughs) Yes. Because there are lots of animals in the world. So we'll never run out. You're never getting rid of us. Perfect. Anyways. (laughs) (laughs) Not as long as we have a say about it. That's right. So to begin... Obviously, Jayla now wants a pet octopus or shark, which is crazy, but cool. I want a cow kangaroo or bear. Um, a cow roo beer? A cow bear. A cow barrow. <laughs> I don't know. A carabao? What would a shark and octopus be called? A, a sharktopus. <laughs> Can you imagine a shark with eight tentacles? would <laughs> <laughs> be terrifying. We both are imagining it, aren't we? <laughs> yes, we are. I feel like we need that to be a drawing. Well, you're the artist. I guess we both are. But you Drawings got this. Coming soon. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, to launch our first podcast, we picked a perfect animal. And we're going to start by asking three questions and seeing if you guys can guess what animal it is. Ready? Numero uno. (laughs) What animal is venomous, but it won't kill you, it will paralyze you and cause you lots of pain? Spiders. (laughs) Question number two. What animal doesn't have a stomach? An octopus? (laughs) I don't know. We'll find out one day. Question number three. What animal, when it was first discovered, was thought to be a hoax? me 
it's a story for another time. Anyways. <laughs> Rum roll, please. The platypus. <laughs> and we will go into those questions a lot further as we talk about this crazy cool weird animal so don't worry if you're wondering why it doesn't have a stomach i will answer that that's cool because <clears throat> i'm curious now <laughs> i'm also curious all right sorry if all of my papers are super loud i apologize yeah i'll have <laughs> crunching papers soon too so it's all good <laughs> all right so first things first what do you call the plural of a platypus is Platypi. a platyp- platypes, platypods, <laughs> platypi. Platypuses. Nope. It's platypuses. <laughs> I like platypods, but that's inaccurate. <laughs> um, I like platypi. Platypi too. I think that's my favorite. It is a good one, but it is also inaccurate. Yes. What do you call a group of platypuses? Plot of pieces? A paddle. Oh. That's clever. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll let you talk about the name for a baby later. <clears throat> okay. So, as you may or may not know, I'm going to now explain the appearance of the platypus. <clears throat> its size is small. Males are generally about two to five pounds, and they're about 20 inches long, while females are about one and a half to three and a half pounds, and are about 17 inches long. And that's from, like, tip to tip. (laughs) Um. (laughs) Anyways. Um. They have a waterproof fur that's short and dense, kind of like an otter, and that's what they're covered in. Um, it's dark brown, like, it it colors from, like, dark brown to black, um, and then on their underbelly, it's lighter brown to silver, and then they have, like, a plum color in the middle. So, that's cool and adorable. The, that's where, you know, it's the most normal. After that, their anatomy just gets really weird. Their feet! (laughs) So, they have webbed feet. Their hind feet, um are partially webbed not fully webbed so that way you you, they have their claws um but then their front feet are fully webbed and it has extra skin so it extends past where their bones end kind of like a scuba fin and that makes it so their webbed like their webbed feet are like much larger than it would be and also much larger than most other webbed footed animals like a duck yeah Except when they get out of the water. So that's what happens when they're in the water. They're like extra large, extra webbed. When they get out of the water, their extra webbing retracts. And then they have their claws (laughs) to walk around with and dig. Isn't that crazy? So basically, in the water, their feet almost look like they have claws on their knuckles. But that's actually like the end of their toes. And then that extra webbing just retracts so crazy um their tail it is flat and broad kind of like a beaver um and they can use it as like to slap along the water as a warning sign they use it to help them swim and they use it like a rudder they can carry things with it 
It's pretty cute. Like, they'll, like, curl their tail around, like, sticks and reeds and things and just carry them around. Super cute. But its biggest purpose is to store half of its body fat in case of a food shortage. Hmm. Interesting. So it's mostly fat. Yeah. (laughs) Their tail is fat. (laughs) Um... Their bill, aka their, like, duck beak thing, um, is not hard like a beak. It's actually really soft and pliable. Um, some people describe it kind of like leather or suede. Um, sorry, I have really bad allergies, so if I sniffle and stuff a lot, that's why. (laughs) Um, and then their bill is also covered in a multitude of sensory receptors, which helps them find their food, and I'll talk more about that later. Um... They're spurs. I don't know if anyone knows, but they have spurs on their hind legs. I didn't know what a spur was. Basically, it's like a little claw hook thing. Then it's like on the back of their ankles, um, on their hind legs only. And only males have them. And that is what is venomous on them. And I'll talk more about their venom later because it's insane. Um, the females are also born with the spurs, but they shed them roughly around three months, and so they're kind of gone by the time they're a year old. Um, so males have the spurs, and it's mostly used during mating season to kind of keep their territory and to, um, fight off other males so they can have all the females, which I'm sure Jay will talk about. That is true. So, yeah. Their closest relative is, oh man, I had to write down how to say this word. It's an, oh. Is it the enchilada thing? <laughs> yes. Echidna. So it's yes. spelt E no. E-C-I-D-N-A-S, but it's pronounced echidna. Which is not nearly close to enchilada. But that's what I always want to call it. (laughs) Enchiladas. They're closely resembled to enchiladas. (laughs) No, echidnas. Um, That is their most, uh, their closest relative in, like, their identification and category, which is the monotreme. I think I'm saying that right. Um, And that's, like, their animal identification because, and there's only three species in that identification, the platypus, the long-nosed echidna and the short-nosed echidna. And monotreme translates to one-hold animal because they are the only types of mammals that lay eggs. And also one-hold because all of their stuff comes out of one hole. Their urine, their feces, and their eggs. One hole. So. There you go. Thanks, Nicole. <laughs> That's, uh, got some interesting facts there. (laughs) So now you have a general idea of what a platypus looks like. And if you don't know what a platypus looks like, you should look up a picture. Or a drawing. They're so cute. Cool. Yeah. History is up next. So, I'm going to talk about the history of a platypus. Platypuses. Um, (laughs) sorry for all the crinkles. Um... So, platypuses can be found in Australia, and we'll talk about the environment more in depth later. But it has a lot of ab- aboriginal names. Most of them I'm not going to try and pronounce because I'm going to butcher them 
horribly. <laughs> um, but originally, uh, well, not originally, Aboriginal people had developed a deep uh, biocultural or uh, ecological knowledge of platypuses, which was largely overlooked by early naturalists um, who came to Australia. So Europeans first encountered, which is where most of our information comes from, because they were doing a lot of the dissecting, um, the, taxonom- the taxonomy, taxidermy, taxidermy Taxonomy? Research. I don't know. Um, anatomical studies of the platypuses, but they didn't start learning about platypuses until 1797. So after 1797, Europeans would ship platypus-like carcasses because they didn't travel long distances alive, especially not in 1797. Um, But they would (laughs) ship them to Britain uh, and Europe to be kind of dissected and discovered and learned about. So even though when they first discovered platypuses, the aboriginalists, aboriginal people, I'm probably butchering that and I'm very sorry, but the aboriginal people told the, the Europeans that they were mammals that laid eggs. Of course, <laughs> they didn't believe them. Um, Do even we though still believe that. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a miracle, right? <laughs> it's so. Weird. It's kind of crazy. The more um, I learned about them, the crazier they got. <laughs> yeah, it, I would probably wouldn't and believe that's that. Like today's science, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so yeah, even though uh, there was evidence, so even when they dissected them, they would find undeveloped eggs in the female platypuses instead of live young, they would break them down and still find, yeah, they would still find eggs. But they still didn't believe that they could lay eggs and produce milk, which is the biggest reason why they didn't think that they could do, they basically couldn't think that they did both at the same time. They thought they could either produce eggs and be that, or they could lactate and produce like live young they didn't think that they could do both either Um, birds or they're mammals right (laughs) whatever a bird is classified as i don't know right and this is before charles charles darwin so this is before the theory of like evolution and Mm. um animals evolving and like over generations gaining new things and um kind of adapting to their environment so this was all very like otherworldly like it divided everything that they believed yes so this uh famous person was like uh uh, i'm gonna butcher this name it's a teeny geoffrey saint hilary um believed that the platypuses were egg laying but could not possibly lactate because they didn't have actual like nipples (laughs) they Um, don't have nipples females don't have nipples they don't they don't. So, so they they didn't think that they could lactate. So they didn't think that they could produce that for their young. But they were egg laying. And then Richard Owen, who does not have as difficult of a name to say, was <laughs> uh, Richard Owen was a 19th century leading authority in the anatomy of monotremes and marsupials. And so he was like a huge influence in categorizing animals. 
And he believed that the platypuses could lactate, but they could not produce eggs. So these were two like arguing people um, dissecting platypuses and being like, well, they can do this, but they can't do that. And so in the late 19th and early 20th century, uh, century platypuses were widely hunted for their fur and for sport. And this essentially made them almost extinct. Legally, they were not protected until 1912, and then studying really like skyrocketed, skyrocketed about platypuses, um, and that's also because of technology. So we were able to have technological advances, like being able to provide smaller data logging devices and microchipping. So it was easier; it was becoming easier to track platypuses and their population rate. I do have some fun facts about uh, <laughs> hunting platypuses, which is really sad. And Nicole, I don't think you're going to like these. <laughs> Lay it <laughs> on me. I'm probably going to hate it. <laughs> so a single rug or garment needed more than 50 platypus skins what? in order to be created. What? There's a rug in the Australian Museum. Um, that has 75 skins used for a single rug. What? 75 platypuses were killed for a rug. Is that sad? Why? Why? Oh my gosh. So. In Zootopia. And he's like, she got buried in the scut butt rug. <laughs> My grandmama loved that skunk butt rug. (laughs) Oh, man. Yes. 75? That's so sad. Yes. They're just small, Um, cute little guys. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Nicole. I knew you were not going to like this. Um, Dang. It was horrible. Uh, in the late 1980s, though, so they were legally protected in Australia by all areas um, in 1912, uh, and that's when they started studying them, right? So in the 1980s, studies of local, state, and national populations were um, sparked by interest in possible changes in the distribution of numbers of the platypuses since the arrival of Europeans. So that's when they started like going back in history and trying to figure out where the population of platypuses like originated from, how expansive it is, and trying to figure out what is influencing their environment and why the population is like going down. Mm-hmm. Um, and in 2016, they were recorded as near-threatened. I don't know, oh, Nicole, buddies. if you found a updated version of what they are no. on the scale Everything of I saw was still threat. near-threatened. Yeah, so they're really cool and really cute, but they have a really sad history because people apparently wanted to make rugs out of their fur. 75 um, of them per rug. Yeah. <laughs> so ridiculous. <laughs> That makes Cruella de Vil seem even worse now, too. That's true. I wonder um, if she's got any platypus furs. I would hope not. Wasn't she solely, like, sold on Dalmatians? No, it was, like, near the end she was, like, sold on Dalmatians. Before that, she used, like, all kinds of, like, in the, I don't know, I haven't seen the cartoon in forever. In the live-action one, she's got, like, the Siberian tiger. Oh, that's She's got, right. like, for a rug. She's got... Arctic yeah, she's boxes. got all the like 
She's got all the furs. pelts. Yeah, mm -hmm. that's true. I forgot about that. Yeah. So yeah, the knowledge that we have about platypuses is pretty limited because we didn't, because the Europeans specifically did not take in advantage of the indigenous or aboriginal people's um, influences and what they knew um, about them and they didn't document it very well because they were solely interested in the carcasses and what they were able to see for themselves so they also didn't also believe to, they were real <laughs> that's true they didn't believe they were real they literally thought they were getting like hoaxed like they thought different animals joke. were sewn together <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Can you imagine if we did that? Ugh. <laughs> terrifying. So despite the rise of interest in research um, and key knowledge, there's a lot of gaps. Um, so we don't know a whole lot. We don't know exactly how many platypuses are out there, which I think is why it's kind of always floating in that near-threatened range, mm -hmm. because it's really hard to capture and re-release platypuses and keep them documented. So a lot of trapping techniques aren't uh, super sustainable. They're really time and labor intensive and lots of variables can affect the results. So like the type of capture that they use, how they release them, the season, the weather, and a lot of platypuses are actually pretty smart. So they'll dodge like any fencing or netting or go around certain areas where they know humans are super engaged in trying to seek them out and just learn more about them but so to them they're super scared so yeah they are, they super are looking out for themselves <laughs> which i don't blame them <laughs> i also don't blame them based on their history yeah so that's what i've got about the history of platypuses crazy their sad little history i, know. I feel like most animals we read about are gonna have a sad history <laughs> I think so. Especially when people first discover new animals, I feel like they get put under the microscope a little bit too much, you know? Yes. Yes. Unfortunately. <clears throat> Alright. Time for their diet and their hunting. Yes? Yes. What do they okay. eat, Nicole? <laughs> what do they eat with their non-existent stomach? <laughs> yes, what do they eat in their non-existent stomach? Yeah, what goes into, where does it go? I will answer that more later, actually. Um, I'm glad you had the right, answer. so, I promise I'll answer their stomach thing later. Uh, okay. So, they eat freshwater crustaceans, uh, larvae, worms, snails, tadpoles, and sometimes small fish. Um, so, they are carnivores, but they don't have teeth to chew up their food. So, they have kind of like these, I don't know, based on what website I was looking at, some people said they had like these like plates in their mouth that whatever, and other people said they don't. But what they all said and agreed on was that they do gather gravel and like their mud in their mouth to help break up all the food into more manageable pieces. So, they'll use rocks to help them chew their food. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And then they gather, like, when they go down and they get their food, they, like, store it in, like, their little cheek pouches until they're ready to eat them. And so how they hunt for it, their freshwater aquarium-like things, aquatic life, 
they actually close their eyes, ears, and nostrils, so they don't have sight, smell, or uh, hearing to find any of their food. They rely solely on their bills, because remember, they're covered in those um, sensory receptors, and they're like really, really sensitive, so they can feel things on it like insanely well, which is probably why they avoid nets and things. And anything giving off um, an electrical signal, they can detect it and then they can find their prey that way. So sometimes they'll like dig their bills around in the mud and probe around in there and then they'll find it and catch things. Or like if something's swimming nearby and like they can sense the electrical signal from like their muscles moving in the water and then they can pinpoint where that is like with pretty good accuracy. They said that they can find a small battery, like, in, like, on the river bed, <laughs> like, with their noses because of the small electrical signal it gives off. Huh. So crazy. So, their bills are insanely sensitive and super awesome because... They could literally put it on their bill. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> Those puns. <laughs> those, those are puns. <laughs> Platypus puns. <laughs> um, so that's how they hunt and detect things with their really cool bills that are covered in sensory receptors and electrical signals, mm. which is crazy. Um, and then cool they're, though. yeah, they're predators. So, like, we know what they eat. So what eats them? Their predators are... So they're nocturnal, so they usually try to avoid being out during the day to protect themselves in one way, so they usually hide out in their burrows during the day, um, and then they hunt at night, but their biggest predators are birds of prey like hawks and eagles, and sometimes larger mammals, such as dingoes, dogs, cats, Tasmanian devils, some reptiles like snakes, monitor lizards, and crocodiles. So that's what eats them. Sad. Yeah. Circle of There's life, a lot of predators. Yeah, but they're that's also true. really fast and, like, aware. <laughs> so they probably can sense when something's approaching them that they can swim away. So there's that swim at least. Swim away, swim away. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Your turn. Cool. So environment. Um, as Nicole said, they are nocturnal. So that is also one of the reasons why it is really hard to track them and capture them and re-release them is because we, as humans, are not usually nocturnal. <laughs> Unless you're a baker. <laughs> <laughs> True. Fun fact, we're bakers. Were... <laughs> yes. Which is how we met. It is. Awesome. I was her boss and I hired her, and then I stepped down because I had a baby, and then she's now my boss. Well, circle. Yeah, circle of life. <laughs> circle of bakers. Yes. <laughs> uh, cool. So, environment-wise, they are found in eastern Australia, Tasmania, King Island, which is off the coast of Australia, and Kangaroo Island, which is also an island off the coast of Australia. Um, kangaroo Island? Kangaroo Island. Are there kangaroos all over that island? I don't know, Nicole, but we can find out when we do kangaroos. I want to go to Kangaroo Island. <laughs> if it's covered in kangaroos. Just in general, too. Saying, I've been to Kangaroo Island sounds so cool. It does sound cool. I want to go to Kangaroo Island. Road trip? 
Uh, I feel like it would be more of a boat trip, but... <laughs> trip! <laughs> sure. <laughs> I think it would be fun. Okay. We could also see platypuses. <gasps> yes, we'd have to... I guess we are used to waking up early. It's true. <laughs> Nocturnal. Mm-hmm. So, platypuses uh, are found in fresh water. They live and breed mainly in permanent reaches of streams, but also in some lakes and wetlands, which is usually when they have their kiddos. Uh, they're puggles. Puggles. Uh, which are baby platypuses, if you didn't catch that. Uh, (laughs) yes however because they are found in streams and lakes and wetlands obviously they are a huge threat from human activity including but not limited to agriculture forestry mining urbanization and fragmented fragmentation by dams and others um, in stream structures by mortality of fishing gear and predation by um, obviously the predators that Nicole just told us about. So that's another reason why they are very low in popularity. Uh, Population? (laughs) I mean they're pretty pretty popular. popular. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty popular on this podcast. Yes, we Um, love our platypuses. (laughs) Platypies. Not our platypies, but a pie in the shape of a platypus would be really cool. That would be really cool. That could be what our next baking adventure. What flavor do you think it would be? Platypus flavor? Maybe plum flavor since so they have sad. plum color? Ooh, that would be good. Huh. What do you think, <laughs> listeners? <It's> good. <laughs> listeners, tell us what you think. What would you want in your platypus pie? <laughs> what would you want in your platypie? Platypie. It's good marketing scheme. It's like a splat. Uh, plot, plot, plot. I give up. <laughs> I tried. <laughs> That's a lot of pluh. Pluh, 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 pluh. Plethora of pluh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, platypus's homes range in less uh, than, or range in areas of less than half a mile about to about 4.5 miles i'm rounding because there were a lot of numbers out there and every site said something different i think everyone has a a good range yeah and during the day they rest in their burrows that they uh have dug into riverbanks um using their tails like nicole said so that's how they make their little homes and their front legs because of those retractable claw or retractable webbed feet right yes So they have two types of burrows. One is for resting and one is for incubating their eggs and nursing young. They have multiple burrows in their home range. So within that 0.5 miles to 4.5 miles, they can have multiple homes. Wouldn't that be nice, Nicole, Such to have multiple homes? a long and big house, you know, five <laughs> miles. Can you imagine can you having imagine? to walk five <laughs> miles just to get to the bathroom? Or... <laughs> My baby's at, like, 3.1 mile, and I'm still at the beginning. Like, what? Right. So right. crazy. Yeah. I so mean, it within, makes it hard to find them, I suppose. That's true. Within that space, though, um, the resting burrows are about 16 feet long. So they're not super big. Mm. But their nesting burrows 
for all their little ones and for the time that they spend in there um, is about six times that. So (laughs) it's way bigger. (laughs) Uh, And they can usually have more than one nesting burrow uh, because they want to. Why not? I mean, nesting period is a thing when you're pregnant. Just keep, Mm -hmm. keep making things getting everything organized so i get it (laughs) cool so that is their environment crazy those are really crazy homes burrows okay (laughs) their behavior um this is a very short section because there's not a lot to their behavior because they are very anti-social animals like me <laughs> <laughs> like both of us <laughs> like both of us we're antisocial. they so they aren't super social animals they mostly keep to themselves and they um really only ever meet up with other platypuses when it's mating season or if they're looking for their young and when they're being moms that's the other time that they're with other platypuses otherwise they're usually pretty much lonesome and that is the way they like it and that's all I got on their behavior. That's fair. That's really all I found. <laughs> yeah. We really don't uh, know. Like, we know a lot about platypuses, but we really don't know that much. They're still such I a know. mystery. And, like, we're all, like, scientists are always discovering something new about them. It's crazy. It's crazy. So, because they're super alone animals, <laughs> um, and they only come together when it's mating season. So... Ready for this? Yes. Platypuses are sexually mature at two years of age. Nice. And they mate. Um, at least they're not super babies. That's true. Um, so they mate between the months of July and October. Um, it's a big range, but it also depends on the weather and how they're feeling. And if they really want to go out of side of their burrow. Do I really want to go on this date? <laughs> swipe yeah. left, Do swipe right. Do I really right? want to socialize? <laughs> Is it worth it? <laughs> so, usually when they go out, they find their partner. So, like Nicole said, they have the spurs. The males have the spurs on the back of their hind legs. Yeah, like on their ankles, on their hind legs. Yeah. So, the males will use their spurs to um, deliver doses of painful poison to their rivals when they're fighting for a female. And as part of their courtship ritual, female and platypuses actually engage in a dance. So this is one (gasps) website that I found. And it says that they engage in a dance where the male holds onto the tail of the female with his bill. Oh! Um, I know, isn't it cute? Uh, And then the female leads them into a series of slow circles, twists, and turns on the surface of the water, and then it's followed by mating. That's adorable. I imagine, like, their little synchronized swimming. Yes. Oh, It's like their way of holding hands. Right. Aww, that's adorable. They dance. Yes. So they dance first, and then they... Bounce go wow wow. <laughs> yes, they do. They rock the boat. <laughs> they rock the boat after they have a little dance. Do a little dance. Rock that paddle. Make a little love. <laughs> Get down. Tonight. Get down tonight. <laughs> um, I love it. That's adorable. Yes. <laughs> um. So they mate, 
And, <laughs> you know, the male just goes out and does his own thing. And Fair the enough. female <laughs> will then carry bundles of wet leaves to their incubation chamber at the end of their burrow. Um, so that's that uh, little nesting uh, burrow. Um, and they will actually plug it's the tunnel little. with soil. It's a very well, long nesting burrow. <laughs> that long nesting burrow. <laughs> that space that they decide to stay. Um, and I, I'm, I'm sure that space is like pretty big because they literally plug the tunnel with soil. And then they stay Fantastic. there for two to three weeks. Whoa. Um, a long time. Yes. Um, so females will seal themselves into this burrow chamber and lay their eggs. And typically, they produce one or two eggs, um, and then they keep them warm by holding them between their body and her tail. Oh, Isn't that cute? so cute. They're so cute. They are so um, cute. They're, like, cuddling with their eggs. Right? You guys need to look up pictures of this. It's adorable. I, well, it might be terrifying because it's probably in the dark, but. <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure people at the zoos have gotten pictures of it. Yeah, Conservation. Um, so then eggs hatch in about 10 to 14 days, uh, but platypus babies are the size of about lima beans, and they're totally helpless. So they're born blind, hairless, and have blunt little buds for their limbs, so they don't even have full little arms. That's adorable. (laughs) They're so cute. Yeah, and then they're called puggles. In case you didn't catch that earlier, (laughs) baby platypuses are called puggles, which is adorable. It is adorable. Um... What is, what did you say that puggles, you told oh, me that yes. earlier. Puggle is actually the term for baby echidnas, and so it's a borrowed term from that relative. Um, so baby echidnas are called puggles, so people also now call baby platypuses puggles. It's a borrowed term. So because some people will agree, some people right. won't. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Controversial. Cool. Controversy amongst it. But that's that okay. We can still think it's adorable. Because yes. we're entitled to our opinions. That's true. Because we're not experts. No. We're just enthusiasts. We are enthusiasts. We love learning and telling each other about the things we learn. Um, so yeah. So puggles usually will live with their mother. Um, and the mom will continue to nurse them and feed them um, until they can basically swim on their own. And the puggles will live with their mother, and the father doesn't really help raise the young, so it's all the mom. Those single moms out there, you got this. Representing. Um, <laughs> adults live by themselves, and each has their own territory, because um, they obviously live by themselves. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Do you like that sentence? I did. It's good. Very strong. Yep. Uh, and then they usually live up to 15 years. But we don't really know what the oldest age of a, of a platypus is. At least I don't. That's not something I found. Yes. I have a little bit on their lifespan. Oh, cool. Nicole over here got her facts. <laughs> All straightened up. And I'm sitting here talking in circles. So take it away, Nicole. You're talking in circles like the platypuses dance in circles. That's true. We could just swim in circles together. Oh, so cute. Get down tonight. Get down tonight. <laughs> it's going to be our song for this episode. <laughs> Too bad you guys can't see us because uh, we're doing little Jayla dances. is dancing a little. 
And when we were talking about the babies, we were both doing like the, oh, <laughs> like the hands up by our faces and like just uh, the little pinch your cheeks. Yeah. Anyways, it's, it's probably a good thing you can't see us. <laughs> We'd be yeah, even more true. like. Huh. <laughs> <Awkward>. <laughs> Who knows? Uh, okay, so their lifespan is what I found. There was some like different information based on the website so it kind of went with like what majority of the websites and information i found said was um in the wild they live like anywhere from nine to 12 years and then in captivity they can live up to 17 years oh Um, see so my life cycle was probably wrong (laughs) ah one one website said 20 years and 23 years and i was like whoa (laughs) that was like platypus that is a platypus so i don't know Maybe they're like sloths and nobody really actually knows. Which we'll talk about that one day too. Sloths. Sloths. Um, And then in captivity, they do find in captivity they aren't super social. So they can sometimes get a little too stressed easily. But overall, like, they thrive just fine in captivity. When J-Lo talked about earlier of the males kind of fighting for the mating season and stuff. They're spurs of venom um isn't meant to kill the other male it's meant to mostly like, paralyze them but in captivity it can sometimes because there isn't like a space for them to easily escape and there's not very much space so sometimes it can be deadly um so they have That's to so they just monitor it pretty well because they can't remove their spurs and then back in like the early to mid 1900s they did try to one zoo tried to get some platypuses from australia and they tried three times and the platypuses just didn't really survive um so they had a really hard time sending platypuses outside of australia they like weren't surviving travel but then in 2019 the san diego zoo was successful and got one pair of platypuses so there's two platypuses at the san diego zoo and they're doing just fine um and yeah so other than that the only platypuses you can see are in australia so, yeah, there you go. You better go. Either San Diego to see there too, or you can go to Australia and see there many at all of their different um, zoos and conservation areas. And there's, like, some places that um, you can, like, go wading with the platypuses, which seems really cool, but oh also gosh, a little I scary. You probably only really want to hang out with the females, maybe. I don't know. As long as you don't get on the bad side of a male, because you really don't want to get hit by one of their spurs, which I will talk about more later. (laughs) Yeah. Don't go fighting for those females, because the males are out to get you. Yes. (laughs) All right. Are you ready for some really crazy cool facts? I am ready. All right. Here's where I have all of the crazy stuff about their spurs and their stomachs and everything else that you really want to know that just didn't really fit into the rest of our categories all right so platypus spurs um the male platypus when he is fighting another platypus (laughs) or quote-unquote its victim um he'll wrap his hind legs around the victim and drive his spurs like his sharp spurs into it and release its venom the venom isn't meant to kill or permanently damage the tissue but it's meant to temporarily paralyze the victim. So how this affects humans, we don't, I don't think humans get paralyzed from it, but you will get, you'll experience swelling and you will feel pain. A lot of pain. 
pain oh my god that can last for weeks to months and it's so bad morphine cannot relieve it oh my god morphine doesn't work right um i I don't want to go swimming with a platypus (laughs) only if it's female because only the males have the spurs um females gotta stick together yes (laughs) (laughs) we got this but isn't that insane like morphine can't relieve the pain and it can last for weeks to months what no thank you that is how toxic their venom is and it's insane but at least it's not meant to damage your tissue so at least there's that that's great i'll just be in pain yeah so what they know about the toxins because they haven't really fully figured out what is in like all the toxins in their venom what they do know is that it increases some signaling in your neurons that tell your brain your yeah your brain that you're feeling pain Hmm. resulting in you feeling pain Science. Because it tells you that you feel pain. Yeah, it increases the neuron signaling of, you're feeling pain, you're feeling pain, so you're feeling pain. But they don't really know all the toxins and, like, how that necessarily works. Huh. Isn't that crazy? That is crazy. Right? I'm <laughs> See, surprised they don't know what. We still don't it. know everything about platypus. They still don't know all the toxins in the platypus venom. Hmm. Crazy. Um, Their stomachs. So they don't have any stomachs, um, along with no teeth. They also don't have any stomachs, or they don't have a stomach, I guess. I guess some animals have multiple stomachs, so that still does make sense, me saying it plural. Mm -hmm. Um, So their esophagus connects directly to their intestines, and most of their digestion happens in the small intestine. So they used to they believe that they used to have stomachs, um, but over evolution happened, they just kind of evolved into not having a stomach and the scientists don't really think they're going to get their stomach back so huh yep i guess they could never really get full or hungry for that matter (laughs) i mean their intestines could fill up because it's like a similar process to what happens in our stomachs it just happens in their intestines and like their chemicals are just a little bit different because what they eat is different from what like humans and other animals eat so it's a little crazy Um, but it's yeah. similar to that of some fish. Hmm. Some fish, some fish don't, don't have, have stomachs. stomachs. So it's a similar hmm. evolution that happened to some fish. This Just one really long tube. platypus has something in common with an aquatic fish. That's crazy. <laughs> so crazy. This Platypuses are really just a bunch of animals smashed together. I'm so excited. I have an overview of the platypus, and I, like, basically go over all the different animals it has in common. Also, this next one, the DNA of the platypus. Oh, yes. I love this one. Yes, their DNA is shared with reptiles, birds, and mammals. Their skeletons resemble those of a reptile, because of the way their limbs connect to their bodies. Reptiles and platypuses both have pectoral girdles and splayed legs. I had no idea what either of those things were, so I looked them up and I got a little bit more confused. Um, because when I looked up pectoral girdles, it just kept giving me like what it is in the human body. And I was like, but what is it in a reptile? <laughs> Basically, from my understanding, it kind of connects your upper limbs to the bones, and it's usually, like, in your shoulder area. 
Um, okay. And then your splayed legs is, um, think of, like, a, an, a crocodile or an alligator. Um, they yeah. keep their belly, like, low down to the ground, and then they kind of keep their legs, like, splayed out to the sides. So, like, lizards and gators, like, how their limbs are, like, on their sides of their body instead of, like, under their body. This is one of those moments where I wish you could see us because we both had our arms <laughs> like, in the air doing the crocodile Showing walk. each other, like, what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, Interesting. Yes. So there's that. So they also have things in common with reptiles and birds. Mm. Their DNA is shared. Some of their genetics and coding. So crazy. What what did the platypus come from? Like, what animals got together and created the platypus? I actually have a story um, <gasps> that I can share uh, about. And it it's... Um, sorry, hang on. Oh, you're good. <laughs> it's, an ab- it's an Aboriginal story about the first platypus. And, like, mm-hmm. a, it's kind of like a lore, almost. Okay. Um, about where the first platypus kind of came Just from jump on in it i'm ready to hear the story oh you're ready yeah. you want to hear it i've now? got one more crazy okay. fact but story time first <laughs> okay um so it's i don't know exactly what it's called but it's called like a dream time story so i'm assuming it's just like a group of stories kind of like grim fairy tales where you like okay. get a bunch of stories and you kind of put them all into one collection or whatever yeah um that's my understanding if we're wrong please email us and we'll let you know where where you can send that information to. Um, we're super excited to hear feedback um, yes. and corrections. So. Please correct us if you actually <laughs> know and we're, like, totally wrong. Yeah. Um, honestly. Because <laughs> then we learn and exactly. you have taught us something. So we're happy it's to a learn. two-way street. Yes. Um, but, so, it's a dreamtime story um, of the platypus from upper reaches of the Darling River. Um, So the story kind of goes that this young duck who disregards her tribe's warning um, of the, I probably am super going to butcher this, but the Molokka, it's M-U-L-L-O-K-A, Molokka? Sure, I don't know. (laughs) Or Huawei, which is what I should just have called it. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But basically, it's the water devil. Um, So this young duck disregards her tribe's warning of the water devil. The duck ventures down the creek from her tribe um, and eventually ventured down too far uh, and became abducted by the big, it's B-I-G-G-O-O-N, so big goon, which is a large water rat who took the duck as his wife. The duck eventually escaped and returned to her tribe where she laid two eggs which hatched as platypuses. Ah. Thank you. Because they're a mix of the water rat and the duck. Um, So they had soft fur instead of feathers, four webbed feet instead of two, and spurs on their hind legs, like Bagoon's spear. But the duck, however, was uh, disowned and banished from her tribe. So, choosing to live very far away, she took her children and moved to the mountains, so the eastern part of australia and she lives there with her children and she's far away from her tribe and from bigoon so she doesn't get hurt and she just forever lives there with her children huh. and that's the platypus story 
I like it. It's cute. It's informative. And I like it. And it explains yeah. why they're alone. I know. Thank you. That's so also kind of why you can't. where the water devil come in? I don't know. Oh. Okay. <laughs> that wasn't part of the story that was explained. Be I think aware it's of the water like... devil. Okay. Right. Instead, I'm going to meet this giant water rat. <laughs> right. You know how parents kind of, like, tell you, don't go over there because it's dangerous. Oh, but they don't yeah, really yeah. tell you why it's dangerous or why you shouldn't do that thing. Yeah. I feel like it's kind of one of those things. Oh, that's fair. <laughs> They're like, don't go too far. Oh, wait. There, nothing really happens. Except for a giant <laughs> water rat marries yeah. me and impregnates me. <laughs> right. And then makes you lay two eggs that yeah. disowns you from your tribe. <laughs> yeah. Oh, at least she's got her cute little babies. And now That's we have true. the platypuses. Platypuses are cute. They are exactly. so cute. I want to snuggle one. Mm-hmm. Without spurs. Face. Yes. <laughs> yes. Be my friend. Don't spur me. <laughs> spur my life. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That was good. <laughs> um, so the last crazy fact I have for you. Recent discoveries pro- proved that platypuses have biofluorescent fur. So before I finish explaining this, I'm going to define both biofluorescent and bioluminescent. Because I did not know that they were two separate things. Um, So biofluorescent is a phenomenon where an organism absorbs low wavelength light and emits a high wavelength light that makes it glow um, against like a dark background or like UV lighting. Bioluminescence is organisms emit light from their bodies due to some specific chemical reaction. So basically biofluorescent, the animals are absorbing the light frequencies or the light waves and emitting different light waves while bioluminescent is like the chemical reaction from something going on with their chemicals. Like if they Hmm. eat something or whatever. So platypuses are biofluorescent. um, So they emit like a glowing greenish blue under um, UV light or like black light and stuff. And they, scientists still don't know why. They don't know if it's camouflage or what because they don't think it has anything to do with them being able to, like, see in the dark or anything because they always have their eyes closed underwater, for one. Um, So they don't know if it's, like, to help them camouflage in the water from their predators or what. But they know that they're biofluorescent, which is pretty freaking cool. Hmm. That is really cool. Right? (laughs) The pictures of it are insane. Um... Another animal that I learned that was biofluorescent, flying squirrels. Really? Yep. They are biofluorescent and they emit a like a pink color on their bellies. Pink. Pink. That's so cool. Right? So We're going to have to do flying squirrels. We will have to do flying and sugar squirrels. gliders, which are just yes. Australian flying squirrels. <laughs> but they're cute. <laughs> I read this thing of if you took um, a beaver and a duck and you put them together, and then you send it to Australia. That's what the platypus is. It's just an Australianized <laughs> beaver duck. Because they put poisonous spurs on it, which makes it deadly. Therefore, it's Australian. That's great. That is hilarious. It made and me And so accurate. <laughs> I know. Everything deadly lives in Australia. Um. At least the platypus can't actually kill you. It just makes you feel a lot of pain. Oh, great. Just what I wanted. (laughs) (laughs) All right. 
Um, Are there any famous ones that you discovered? Well, besides the one from the Dreamtime story, uh, which apparently is kind of famous, uh, Perry the Platypus. Have you heard of Perry the Platypus? Phineas and Ferb. Yes. So Perry the Platypus is from Disney's Phineas and Ferb, um, which if you haven't watched Phineas and Ferb, I highly recommend. They have 104 days of summer. How's that song go? 100 and... Oh, now I don't know. Oh, Summer vacation. School comes yeah. around just to end it. Uh-huh. How many? Uh... Yeah. It's about these two kids. And they have the whole summer. And they are super good inventors. And they just invent and do crazy things. Like unrealistic things. They have built roller coasters in the backyard. Um, they... I mean, that's, like, the one that I always remember is the roller coaster one. But they have, like, huge events. I think one time they got their sister to go to a concert for them. Uh, or uh, they got a concert thrown for their sister. I don't remember. They do a lot of um, crazy things. Yeah. It is 104 days. 104 days. They take full advantage of their 104 days of summer vacation. They do. So... Perry is their platypus, so Perry is their pet, and he lives a secret life as a James Bond-like secret agent called Agent P, and his arch nemesis, or villain, uh, that he fools all of his plans is Dr. Doofenshmirtz. Perry! My name is Doof, and you'll do what I say. Oh, no. Um, you dropped your phone. I, I dropped Nicole. Um, <laughs> you dropped me. Not on purpose. <laughs> I got too excited about Doof and Schmerz. <laughs> and Perry. Doof is the best. And Perry. <laughs> yes. If you don't know so. Perry, I feel like people do. Like, can you try doing the Perry sound? Because <laughs> 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 it's got, like, the teeth clattering. <laughs> That's the best I can do. It's pretty close. <laughs> Yeah, so Perry the platypus is actually one of the most famous platypuses that I could find. So, Well, there we go. He's a cartoon, but he's famous. And he walks on two legs he when does. he's Agent he P. fights. On, and he wears and a hat. He's male, so he would have the spurs. He does have the Which is probably spurs. why his, like, taekwondo or kung fu, like, abilities are so powerful. Probably. And why sometimes Doof does get beaten very easily. That's true. Because he he's poisoned. Basically, paralyze him. <laughs> he's in so much pain. Uh, so much sense. That show makes That's so much hilarious. more sense. <laughs> um, I did try finding the sound that a platypus makes, but I couldn't find one. Like that seems oh. legit. A lot of them just seemed fake to me because nobody like. Huh. They but I did say like find that um. Uh, some people said that they make a variety of sounds, and when they're disturbed, they make a soft growl sound, kind of, like, similar to a puppy. But I couldn't, like, find an actual recording of it that sounded real (laughs) without it sounding like somebody just kind of made their own thing. (laughs) It's just us making the Perry sound. Yeah. (laughs) So. Cool. Well, there we go. Uh, lightning round? Lightning round. Lightning round is where we cover all of the other really random facts that we don't really have all the details to fully explain or 
because we're short on time that we're just gonna bombard y'all with really random facts about the platypus or other animals do you've got stuff for the lightning round i've got a couple cool. i kind of used a lot of my facts so no worries um you got we can go back and forth if you want or we can each take turns what do you want um i can go first since i feel like i have less than you okay. <laughs> i feel like you're very prepared this time <laughs> so mine are just kind of sad oh, oh no because it goes back to the fur trade oh, okay. um, and so it's kind of depressing and i'm sorry well um, luckily i've got good ones to lighten the mood i suppose <laughs> like they're biofluorescent fur <laughs> good good i wonder if those rugs also glow oh i wonder if it wears out over time um, I know when they first discovered it, they did examine some of their old, like, carcasses at, like, different museums, and some of them from, like, the first time they had them still glowed. Oh my gosh, so, that like, would be cool. I wonder if the rogues I wonder if the rogues, like, freaking glow. What? I mean, still terrible. Terrible. That would be But that would be still so terrifying. cool. Can you imagine? Did you ever go to, like, a skate world or, like, a roller yeah. skate park <laughs> with the black lighting and everything? Can you imagine if yes. you had... I, uh, what is it called now? The platypus fur. There we go. Can you imagine if you had a platypus fur and you were, like, rollerblading? No. Nope. It would be cool. Cruella DeVille with the platypus jacket. Yes. Cruella DeVille at a (laughs) rollerblade with the platypus jacket. Yes. On point. That needs to be the drawing. (laughs) That would be her in middle (laughs) school. For this segment. Corella Deville in middle school. Uh, takes me back to my younger years. <laughs> okay, what are your facts? Lightning round, uh, go! <laughs> yes, um, so 754 to 2,356 um, platypus pelts were sold annually at the Sydney market between 1891 and 1899. Dang. That's a lot of pelts. That was a lot um, of platypuses. Yes. Dang. And so one one fur seller reported selling more than 29,000 single-handedly before World War One. What? 29,000 by wonder, one person. Do you think that platypuses then used to maybe be social if there were so many of them that they were like totally chill hanging out all together, but then after they all just slowly got murdered they just started being like we can't be seen as a paddle anymore you know (laughs) (laughs) they just had too much fun paddling around (laughs) on their little paddle boats i'm curious though (laughs) if that's like what influenced them to to be so like on their own because they were hunted more as a group i don't know because there just seems to be so many of them before that I don't know, man. Makes me wonder Maybe. what like what their what their uh whatever the word is I'm trying to think of. What their behavior population. used to be back in the beginning. Yeah, yeah, before their population dwindled so much. Like if they were I mean, social or not. We'll never know because we didn't listen to the Aboriginal people in their true. stories. Curses. So yeah. In nineteen 19- or before 1912, a lot of hunters would make a lot of money off of hunting and selling the pelts of um, platypuses. So, um, 
I think that's all I've got. Honestly, they're just the two really depressing facts, and I'm sorry. Nicole, write in the mood, please. (laughs) Um, In 2013, a fossil helped researchers identify a prehistoric platypus that was more than three feet long. So that is the biggest platypus known, um, discovered. Was it male or female? Do they know? No idea. (laughs) Because those would be huge spurs. Those would be, oh, snap, if they had spurs then. Mm-hmm. Who knows? And stomachs probably too. Anyways, they have 10 sex chromosomes, which makes it unnecessarily complicated. They're so sexy. <laughs> um, they move in water much easier. They use 30% more energy walking than they do swimming. They can hold their breath for only, in- or be submerged for only 30 seconds to up to two minutes. So they can't stay underwater yeah. for very long. Um, it's probably because they close everything off. <laughs> they don't have very large lungs. <laughs> they can travel at speeds of up to 22 miles per hour. Whoa. So they are pretty fast. Is that in water? Probably. <laughs> okay. I, I'm not sure. It didn't specify. That's why they said up to 22 miles. Mm, I'm sure I they're... Uh, I feel like they would probably move faster in water just because their limbs are on their sides of their bodies. They're not under their bodies. Yeah. Is that faster than a centipede? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Centipedes are definitely faster. (laughs) So creepy. Um, They were thought to be a hoax in 1798, we talked about. Mm -hmm. Um, They will barricade the entrance to their burrows when they don't want to be disturbed with sticks and reeds or leaves and soil. But sometimes they'll, like, carry, like, their sticks in their tail and they'll, like, go into their thing and they'll barricade it (laughs) to not be disturbed. Um, And that's in their resting burrows, not the incubating ones. Interesting. Um, And that's pretty much what I have for my lightning round. Can I just say that if we had a teenage platypus and it was like, don't disturb me, mom, and it just closed its door with its sticks and stones. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I imagined. Like the three little pigs. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) all right so the overview that i wrote (laughs) to describe the platypus which is like my favorite thing the platypus it's got a bill like a duck a tail like a beaver webbed feet and fur like an otter electroreceptors like a shark they lay eggs like a turtle they've got limbs on their sides like a reptile they don't have stomachs like a lungfish they don't have teeth like echidnas they have venom like a viper. They produce and feed milk to their young with no nipples. They have biofluorescent uh, fur similar to flying squirrels. They like to be alone and stay in Australia. Their venom can't be revived by morphine. And they are extremely cute. <laughs> I love that you clumped all the most dangerous things together and then you summed it up with, and they're really cute. Because that's just perfect. Oh, man. The platypus. The platypus platypus is truly just a hodgepodge of everything and anything. (laughs) It DNA proves that. Yes. All the leftover pieces. (laughs) They're the leftovers. Put away pieces when you're done. (laughs) Like the mystery stew (laughs) at the end of the week. (laughs) 
all the leftovers. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> well, <laughs> thanks for joining us. <laughs> yes, thanks for listening to all of our awkwardness in this platypus episode, and I hope you learned something about the platypuses. <laughs> yes, they're I not platypies. They are not platypies. But what would your favorite platypi be? Platypi, platypi. Plum. I don't know, man. There's so many things to work with. They're a hodgepodge. There's a lot of of fillings. There are. Oh, yeah. You could literally just do everything. (laughs) Hodgepodge pie. It's all your leftovers. (laughs) You could do a savory leftover pie. It's like a leftover Thanksgiving dinner pie. That would be kind of you know, good. You have like some turkey, some stuffing, cranberry sauce, some apple pie in there. I feel like mm. that would be really good. Next 80s, Thanksgiving, we're gonna make platypus pie. <laughs> platypie. <laughs> My name is Doof, and you'll do what I say. Whoop whoop. Anyways, whoop <laughs> whoop. Um, if you have any other questions or comments or. We just were completely wrong. <laughs> or you have any interesting stories about your experiences with platypuses, please email us at animalfactspodcast at gmail.com. I know my email. <laughs> <laughs> That's good because I didn't. <laughs> Animalfactspodcast at gmail.com. <laughs> yes. Um,. But yeah, and share, like, your stories with other animals, and when we get to that animal, we will talk about it. Um, yeah, if you really want to hear about an animal and it's not on our radar or wasn't mentioned in this podcast, it's probably on our list. But if you don't know if it's on our list, because you don't have our <laughs> list, um, <laughs> just email us and we'll make sure that it gets added if it's not already on there. Because we want to do all the animals and we want to learn things because it's fun. Or if there's an animal that you just recently learned about, shoot it our way as well. Because odds are we may or may not already know about it. But we can always learn more. Well, thanks for listening. And we look forward to uh, chatting with you next week. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us, animal lovers. This has been the Animal Facts Podcast with Nicole and Jayla. Please like and subscribe so we can continue with your support and sharing fun animal facts with you. We are also looking forward to hearing from you, our listeners, so feel free to email us at animalfactspodcast at gmail.com with facts you want us to cover, facts you want us to correct, cool or crazy stories you have involving animals we have talked about in the past or maybe talking about in the future, or any wild or domesticated (laughs) animals you'd like us to research and add to our list. We want to hear from you and feature your stories as well, so feel free to email them to us. Thank you for listening, liking, subscribing, and supporting us in our animal discoveries and adventures. And a special thanks to my best friend, Jewel, for our music. Until Until next time. time. Bye! Are you ready? I'm ready. This animal fact has nothing to do with platypuses. Perfect. (laughs) Um, Cool. When dogs appear in movies and TV shows, mm-hmm. well, TV, sometimes they have to have CGI tails because they wag 
too much during the scene. <laughs> Isn't that cute? That's adorable, and it makes so much sense. <laughs> Isn't that great? It. That's great. If you also watch closely, sometimes you can see what their marker is by, like, a leaf or something, like, around that would look natural in the environment. Because then that's their marker of, I need to go and stand right there for this shot. Oh, that's clever. Mm -hmm. There you go. Now you got another fact. There you go. Actor dogs and (laughs) cats. Mostly dogs. Mostly dogs, yeah. (laughs) Cool. Well, that's all the facts we have today. Perfect.